Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. After a quick podcast hiatus, we're back. I sat down with the cast and creators of the Hess Collective's Love Trade, currently running at La Mama. The conversation speaks for itself, so let's just get to it. Take a listen. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we have the creator, director. T- give your, your full, oh, my full rundown of uh, rules here, um, uh, roles here. So I'm Elizabeth Hess, and I'm the uh, playwright, the director, and uh, one of the performers. And I'm the artistic director of the Hess Collective. And wow. She sweeps the floor. <laughs> I do. I do sweep the floor, and I blow up balloons. <laughs> This is truly independent theater, people. what I like. And we also have two of your co-performers. I'm Katie Palmer, a performer and assistant tool wrangler. Yeah. You guys have the best titles here. I love this. Uh, I'm Lucas Tahiruzaman Syed. I am the composer and performer. And, and sound designer. And sound designer, I guess. And balloon wrangler. <laughs> and... Unofficial um, final say on design. Uh, Lucas puts us, uh, Katie and I, under tool. He puts us into this tool at the beginning of the show. And so the final picture before the audience comes in is it's really... It's all on you. It's, it's <laughs> Lucas's handiwork. Uh, that kind of leads that leads to, well, the que- my, my question after this next one. Um, I like to start with this question because, you know, this is an audio medium and we're talking about theater and we don't want to give anything away, but we also want to entice people to come see the show. Correct. So what do you tell people they're coming to see when they're coming to see Love Trade. Oh, that's the name of the show, by the way. I haven't said that yet. Love Trade is the name of the show. Um, what do you tell them they're coming to see? How do you, how do you pitch them? Go, Katie. Go. I tell them it's a beautiful, poetic, visually stunning journey that a young woman takes. I very much feel, because I am the young woman, it is from my <laughs> point of view when I tell people to come I see the show. I think it's fair to call you the protagonist, that's right. So it is uh, one young woman's journey, uh, and it has a lot to do with her relationship to her mother. Uh, people have come to see the show, and they're like, mm, is it really about your mom? And I think it is really about the relationship with her and her mom and the other players that come into that. Um, but it's, uh, I think, larger than that, I personally love feminist revenge fantasy, and I really feel like this has some deep elements of that, but instead of it being directed towards men, it's directed within a a female context. So it's kind of what men have done to these women that they then do to each other. I would even go further and say that it's about the patriarchal structure um, and not actually men per se. Uh, so Lucas's character is this exotic um, Eastern uh, god as far as she's concerned and so she projects a lot of the idealism that she was raised with from patriarchal understanding that she should project all her wants, her needs and her fantasies onto this man and he can't handle it um, and nor should he, it's not, that's not humanizing. So I feel like by the end of the piece, I agree with Katie, it's, it's, it's the daughter's journey and I'm playing the mother, but I, and I wrote the piece and I think I really understood it from the daughter's point of view, but for me as the mother, it's been incredibly cathartic to try to understand that mother's um, imprisonment within that patriarchal rigidity and she just has no sense of her own autonomy. And uh, when Katie talks about a revenge, in some ways, I think the piece is about a rebellion and release of self. 
See, yeah. y'all are doing exactly what the podcast is supposed to be, uh, which is like, I don't need to grab this out of you. You know you want to talk about the ideas in your show. I love that. No, seriously, I, I truly appreciate that. Um, it's, I also, I, I want to talk a little bit about, the, the, you, you started talking about the design, and that I truly was going to be my next question. I've got one more major conceptual thing I'd like oh, to please, throw please, in please, there. Please. Just yeah, that yeah. I also think it's a really interesting point, the experience of sort of, like fetishes, people fetishizing each other based on mm. race is yeah. a really interesting thing, and the the resulting misunderstandings and the way in which that kind of perspective can accelerate a kind of communication or interpersonal relationship in a way that can remain obscured for a very long time, mm -hmm. at least past the point of no return. You know, um, and it's like that's I think a really important aspect of it. They don't even know what assumptions they're making about the other because they have done no investigation right. into the other culture. But they, they yeah. also even they also know they don't know. Yeah. That's in the text. And they, it's and just in some like, ways they don't want to know. Yeah, Bhumahar Brahman Buddha, something like that. Yeah. You know, it's just like one of those things that's like over there. But it's that kind of that kind of generalizing. But um, it's also true the other way for him, whether or not yeah. she's whether she's Both Catholic. Baptist or yeah. Seventh Day Adventist, but it's a it's an it's a way to assist their ability to objectify each other. Right. Yes. You know, it's a really important sort of layup for that. I agree. And what all of this really brilliant talk about the philosophical underpinnings <laughs> of the show might be masking is that it's also very funny okay. uh, and wildly in, in not wild wildly funny and incredibly beautifully physical. Um, you were making the kind of theater, that, and I'm just going to be totally blatantly honest here. This is the kind of theater that I want to make and that I try to make as well. Yay. In the sense that I love the simplicity of the design, of what's going on. Like you take, um, and, I, and I'm not giving anything away here. Uh, you should definitely come see the show. Um, but you take tool balloons, a cello, the cello and case, toilet and toilet paper, and a hoodie. And all of a sudden, all of these things become so many other things yeah. you, you use and, and things come back in other ways and it's just three bodies an instrument and a few simple props to and very few lighting cues even <laughs> to like tell this story that to me is like really distilled theater which is beautiful to do what comes first for for you as a as the hess collective putting this together um do, do you see the images and then say like that reminds me of this story or do you say i want to tell this story how do i find like what am i going to use uh, you know a balloon goes right here like how, what is that what is that process like um i have to say that my entry point is text and what i want to do is i want text to be lived and so i actually created the, the, the story, um, and it is, uh, I think, Katie, you just said, it's like performance poetry. So that just like you were talking about design, the text is also very crystallized. And I start with that, and then I begin to build with my collaborators the world. So I had an idea about there being veils of illusion um, for that mother. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the word veils of illusion. What about some tool? So the concepts, the physical concepts that we came up with, um, the balloons, it's kind of like, how can we create a frozen landscape that actually feels and looks like ice and huge snow um, drifts? 
And it was like, oh, white balloons. Okay, now white tulle, white balloons. Now we're starting to find white frozenness. And that's, that was sort of that. And then when, we, when Lucas came in with his cello, the cello also became a transformative object. So the cello becomes his forbidden lover that is a barrier between him and the, the Persephone character. And so we actually have four characters on stage. Um, we have Lucas, Katie, myself, and the cello. I was, I was going to, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm like, sound is very important here. Um, yeah, it's, I just love that style of telling a story. And for you two working, is this the first time working with Elizabeth or is y'all we worked together before? Met, we okay. actually met working on another show with Elizabeth. That was actually Elizabeth's first outing as a playwright. As a playwright for a show she was not. For non-solo performance. I was going to say, I've yeah, done sorry. a lot of solo yeah. performance, and I'm yeah. really, really, really interested in doing more ensemble work. I find it very exciting to see what other people bring to the table. I mean, truly, uh, we were talking backstage about how this is such a collaborative venture. Um, so even though I uh, supplied the text, oh my goodness, um, even within that, it's the, the questions coming up about text, and, and um, every element gets played with. So your work in the room really helped to shape what yes. I just saw. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and for example, uh, Lucas's character's dialogue all happens on the cello, so I should take that back. He's responsible for the entire <laughs> dialogue coming out of the cello. Oh, I get a it card. just doesn't happen to be words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think also in terms of process, like the um, Elizabeth's very specific selection of, I guess you would call them props, uh, gives them their own kind of agency when we're developing the show. Like the balloons have their own properties and as we're playing with them, you know, it's like you move your hand across them and it makes this horrible sound by accident and you're like, oh! Let's use it. Yeah, you know, so there's that kind of, um, you know, and it's a good way of condensing the world and making sure that in a kind of magical realism where there's a, just all of this sense that anything could happen and there's any possibility. It's a way of really grounding and focusing what we make, I think, yeah. because it really prevents it from floating away like a balloon. <laughs> 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 okay. But speaking of floating away like a balloon, Katie, tell uh, a little bit about your experience with the uh, bloated, blistered business with those balloons. Well, Elizabeth creates a very, very open rehearsal room. So like Lucas was saying, any idea we bring in as we're playing with the props, she says, like, yes, and then let's find a place for it. So um, I, there were several moments, including um, this one towards the end, where I was playing with various props or being like, no, the text says I do this, so let me find a way to actually do this. Let me find a way to wiggle and writhe. Um, and so we were, we were literally playing with these materials, um, and then one popped in my hand, a balloon popped in my hand, and we weren't sure if that was the moment or not, but we were like, we, <laughs> we need found our way into that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was a little nervous about learning all these lines, but when we really, the moment we got up and started doing it, after that, I was like, oh, they flow so into the physical vocabulary of my character and of the story that the words came almost immediately after finding the physicality of the it. The lyrical poetry goes along with the movement poetry. Yeah. yeah. I just wrote a book last year called Acting and Being, Explorations in Embodied Performance, and it's exactly about all that. I, I have been working so hard exploring ways in which text lives in the body so that you take the texture and 
and the fact of the matter is, is that sound is in the body. And mm -hmm. so the moment you start to let it resonate from within, you start to find an emotional relationship to that, then the physicality starts to come from a very organic place. And so all the elements that we're working in really f feel of a whole. Um, as opposed to let's work on this psychological moment, let's work on this physiological moment, let's work on this piece of behavior. It's like, let's see what happens if we actually sort of integrate on a lot of levels at the same time. And the other part of that leads very lovely into my next, my last question, which is uh, the other part of the integration of any sort of performance in the live theater is the introduction of new performers into the room, i.e. the audience. So <laughs> what happens to a piece like this, which is, um, I, I can just imagine, and I, I've had these experiences myself, where you're in the, the room and you're playing with props and like, this does this and this does this and this goes together and you put this whole thing together. What has changed for you over the past couple nights performing this for people who didn't know what they were walking into, people like me? <laughs> um, well, today we really learned how to play with the audience. Tonight was our second audience and we really learned um, they, they laughed along with us and mm. they played with us and we could feel ourselves integrating them into our performance. I also felt because they were able to really enjoy us that when we took them to dark places, I felt their um, full, full engagement. And trust. And trust, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was there's a moment very early in the piece uh, where there's a, a lot of levity between myself and Elizabeth's characters, and because the audience was so on board with us and was already laughing, even though it was so similar to what we've always done in rehearsal, I could feel it shift just that one and a half degrees, mm. and all of a sudden, like I was breathing her in differently, and she was mm -hmm. me, and like it was slightly different and more alive because we were in that space with the audience who was right there laughing with us. It was a really beautiful moment of catching myself being like, I am alive in performance right now. I was worried that they were going, that my entrance, that would, like they were so, they were so into you guys and so on your side, I was worried that when I come into the world that there might have been a little more like, who the heck is this guy? You know, like I, I was a little bit like, oh man, I'm like, no, you're the outsider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're the exotic, uh, you know, novelty. <laughs> Yeah. So the show is Love Trade. We're at La Mama, the downstairs of the uh, the Annex building. Um, we uh, y'all run through next weekend, right? Through April eighth. Yep. April eighth. Uh, tickets and more information can be found at La Mama. La Mama Sorry. La Mama.org. Yep. Brilliant. And yeah, uh, follow and follow. Make sure you follow the Hess Collective and La Mama, and La Mama on Facebook, Instagram. We're on all the social media platforms. Uh, yeah, Reshare the posts. Also, yeah. yeah. You can also find tickets through the Hess Collective. Yep, yeah, website. and there actually we're, we're, there are a lot of other ways to get tickets too. Where I think we're on available on ShowScore, um, TDF. Yeah. You also mentioned I want to give you a quick plug. You mentioned you wrote a book last year. Where yeah. can folks learn more about that? Well, it was interesting. Um, I've created these um, states of being that are behavioral, physiological, psychological, after years and years of being an arts educator and also creating a lot of my own original work. So I've treated the classroom like a laboratory and then also my work has then gone back into the classroom and experimentation. And so it's a very hybrid approach to performance. And I am a magpie. I <laughs> am thrilled, for example, that um, Lucas uh, is, pro is 
foremost musician, and then I'm stealing from that discipline. Um, Katie is also herself an artistic director, and she's got an incredibly strong uh, dance background. I, I beg, borrow, and steal from that. And so the book for me is a way of encouraging others to step outside of their known boundaries and create their own hybrid approach that really re resonates with their own voice and vision. The book again, where can folks get it? It's called Acting and Being, Explorations in Embodied Performance, and it's published by uh, Paul Grave Macmillan. Awesome. Thank you all so much for doing this. Great thank work. You. Pleasure. Thank you. Break legs Pleasure. on the rest Pleasure. of the end. Thank you. Thank, thank you from us to La Mama Theater for having us. We're really, yes, yeah, we're, we're really, really happy thrilled to be here. To be here. It's great. Everybody should be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this place is amazing. We are. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth, Katie, and Lucas for hanging out after the show to chat. You can catch Love Trade at The Downstairs at La Mama, 66 East 4th Street in Manhattan through April 8th, 2018. Head to lamama.org for a link to tickets, and also be sure to check out The Hess Collective at thehesscollective.com. Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please like it on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show. Follow at go see a show on Twitter and rate and or comment on the show's Apple Podcasts page. Until next time, go see a show. Awesome. That's the work. You're so lovely to cool. do that. Yeah, you're, you're good at it. <laughs>